Right. I want to draw your attention to verse 48 of Numbers chapter 16, and it says, And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now, we're going to go back through this passage in a little bit, but I want you to zero in on that verse right there where it says, He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. We have a story here where God is mad at Israel again, and rightfully so. They had it coming, big time. And Moses, this is another story that makes me admire Moses because Moses is not like me. And there's people in the Bible I need to be more like. And Moses is one of those guys. Okay? I sometimes have a little more of an Elijah attitude with things, which we're going to look at a little bit later. You know, I make intercession against people where Moses often you know, made intercession for the people. And we see here in this story, God's mad at the people. God sends a pestilence and they stop it. By going and offering a sacrifice to God. And what I want to preach about today is how to stop the pestilence. Because right now, you know, we're seeing, you know, this campaign to slow the spread. And folks, I don't believe in tempting God. I, I, I don't like this attitude, this charismatic Pentecostal type attitude that, you know, it can't touch us. You know, because we're Christians and we're doing the will of the Lord. I don't believe in tempting God, right? I'm a Christian, but if I go and I jump off the roof of this building, I'm going to kill myself, okay? You know, I'm made out of flesh. You don't do things like that. The devil tried to get Jesus to, you know, jump from the pinnacle of the temple to do something foolish. I don't think we need to be foolish. I think we need to use common sense, and I believe we are using common sense. You know, I think just because the government's going overboard doesn't mean that, you know, we aren't capable of taking some common sense actions ourselves to take care of things because we don't want to tempt God. But at the you know, so while I'm hearing all this stuff about slowing the spread, seeing these slogans everywhere we go. Yesterday when we were soul winning, uh, we were getting ready to cross the street and start heading back, and we saw that first house that had a sign on the door. I forgot what it said exactly, but it was one of these politically correct, you know, we're all in this together, slow the spread type things. And I was like, let's just skip that house, you know. You know there, and then I was like, you know, we can't do that. Like, we can't do that. We went and did it. And guess what? The guy was a jerk and didn't have, you know, so I was, I was right. But, you know, I, so I'm, I'm hearing all these things about slowing the spread. And, you know, I, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do some things. But at the same time, when you look in the Bible at pestilences, pretty much every time you see a pestilence, it's God sending the pestilence for judgment. And what's really been discouraging me about this whole thing is the lack of repentance that we see going on while God is sending a judgment, not just on our country, on the world. I mean, we've never seen anything like this that's just such a worldwide thing that's affecting the entire world. Let's think back to 9-11 too, okay? 9-11 was like the last big thing that we all remember, just a you know, earth-changing thing. That was one event that happened really only in New York City, in Washington, D.C., and then I think Pennsylvania were the one plane crashed. One day, it was all in our country, and you know what happened that night? Churches got filled. It was, it was a Tuesday night, but you know what? Everybody had church that night. Everybody was having prayer meetings that night. People were calling out you know, on the Lord. I mean, we saw like a little glimpse of revival and people calling on God and praying like we have never seen before. It was really an amazing thing. Now we have this thing going on, and I'm not seeing any type of awakening going on. I'm not seeing any type of repentance, not on, not on a large scale. I'm not saying it's not happening some places, but I'm saying on a national level or on a global level, there, I have seen 
zero signs of revival, and that concerns me greatly because when we look in the Bible and we see when God would send a pestilence and then we would see what they would do to stop the pestilence, I see us doing everything opposite of what actually needs to be done because I do believe that there's some, while there's physical action that needs to take place, I believe there's spiritual action that needs to take place too because I do believe that God is using, I believe God's using this situation. I believe God is shaking us up. I believe God's getting us ready. And let's just look at a few, uh, just a few places in the Bible, uh, you know, in case you think, you know, pestilence isn't something God uses. All right, Exodus 5, 1 says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, and sacrifice the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Now, this is Moses saying, we need to go do this, otherwise God's going to fall upon us with a pestilence. Not just you, Pharaoh. He's going to fall upon us. Okay? This was something Moses was concerned about. 9.13 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve thee. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart and upon my, thy servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth, and yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go. So God says, I'm, I'm doing this to you, Pharaoh. I'm doing this to you. I've raised you up for this time. I, I've, get, I've allowed you to have all of this power. I've given you all this might. Okay? And, the, and think about this, too. You know, the Calvinists, I don't want to get sidetracked. They love to go to Romans 9 and talk about how God raised up Pharaoh to prove God chose Pharaoh. But understand, if we go back and look at what Paul was quoting here, and we look at what was being talked about, God let Egypt, God let Pharaoh reach this ultimate pinnacle of being a world power so God could show his might when he defeats them and delivers his people out of there. This isn't about God just choosing Pharaoh for hell. This is about God allowing a nation to rise to great power so God could show that he is even greater. And that God can take a captive nation and deliver them. So this wasn't so much about, you know, that Pharaoh. Because if it hadn't been him, it would have been somebody else. Okay? Because God, that was why God raised him up. That's why it's always important to look at context. When the, when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, go back and look at what the Old Testament was talking about. It's a very helpful thing there. But God was, he used pestilence, didn't he? Use pestilence. In Leviticus 26, 25, it says, And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together in, within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. Okay, and God doesn't just use pestilence. God often use, ar uses armies, too. God often uses bad weather things. I mean, there's many things. Numbers 14, 12, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. God's talking about doing this to Israel again, too. 
It says in Deuteronomy 28:21, The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he hath consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess. And, and we could go on and on. Our monthly memory verse talks about God sending the pestilence. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 9, it says, uh, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, and thou wilt hear and help. That's what we're supposed to do when the pestilence comes. We're supposed to be crying unto him. You know, if our leaders had any fear of God, they would be pleading with us like they were doing after 9-11 to, you know what, to go to our churches and have our prayer meetings. If our leaders had any fear of God, they would be encouraging the assembling because of the fact, too, that we can't control. There's only so much we can do when it comes to pestilences. There's only, and even when it comes to what we can do, we don't even often know if it's doing any good. Notice they keep coming out with all these different studies about how this stuff's spreading. They don't really know. They don't know. Okay, it's just, but pestilences spread. They're very contagious. And there's a million ways they can be spread. And there's only so much that we can actually do. And what I wish they would do is instead of just talking about, well, the science proves, and the science just keeps changing every day, which makes it not science. What they just need to do is to say, you know what? Some things are beyond our control. There's some things we're not capable of doing. We need Pharaoh to do like the king did in the story of Naaman. And it's like, you know, I can't heal anybody. We need our, our leaders to step up and say, you know, there's, we just, there's some things we can't do. It's in God's hands. And what we need right now are people praying and calling on God to deliver us from this pestilence. We are not seeing that. In fact, we're seeing the opposite of that. And I, I, that's all I'm even going to cover on Scripture showing God sending the pestilence. Most of the time, if you just do a word search on pestilence, you go read all the verses, most of the time it's God sending the pestilence. And I don't believe that God is no longer in the pestilence business. I don't believe that at all. Well, that was in the Old Testament dispensation where God did that kind of thing. I, I don't believe that. You know, and, and I'm not going to stand here, too, like I'm this righteous judge that I just know exactly how God thinks. And I know, you know, when he does these things and why he does these things. And, but, you know, I do think it's interesting that the last, you know, major pandemic the spanish flu that everyone is talking about right now i don't you know i was looking that up the spanish flu went from january 1918 to december of 1920 so really two full years there or three actually um but world war one that was from july 28 1914 to november 11th 1918 so the last year of world war one was a, there was a major pestilence going on in the world I don't believe that God was in or appreciated what was going on in World War I. Maybe God was like, you know what, if y'all are just going to go just pointlessly killing each other like this, how about I get involved in the fight? And millions died during the Spanish flu. And I don't know, I'm not a historian, I don't know what all went on during that time. But, you know, I, it'd be interesting, you know, to go and look and see, you know, what people were doing. Did, did the Spanish flu help stop the war? You know, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like it would be hard to fight a war when you got mass death going on like that. So I think the timing is interesting. And, you know, the truth is this current pestilence that we have going on that's shaking up the world, this is after the last 20 years of us just fighting wars and 
uh, being in countries we shouldn't be in. I mean, just millions of people dying because of greed. Okay, don't try to tell me this stuff's not about oil and that it's not about control. Okay, I wasn't born yesterday. And think about this too. What was it that got everybody on board with, you know, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan? Okay, because, you know, we all know that it was Saddam Hussein who flew the planes in the World Trade Center, who lived in, who, you know, who, who was from Iraq. Oh, wait, no, actually it was bin Laden from Afghanistan, you know, and then, you know, and there's, there's all these, you know, and I, I don't want to get into all that. Don't, don't even get me started on 9-11. But, folks, I was there. When 9-11 happened, I was ready to fight some Muslims. Okay? I was. Okay? I just did that clip, or I, I saw a clip. Uh, well, I played the, did the one of, you know, Tony Hudson trashing Muslims. Folks, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I used to be that way. Okay? I used to be that same way. I ain't gonna. If I flew, I was I was the same way. I talk. I was just listening to a guy talking about. You know, he sees any Muslim get up and go to the bathroom. You know, he's watching everything he does. I was the same way. I was there at one time, and I was ready to go. And when when they started talking about Iraq, I didn't question. Wait, was it Iraq that attacked us? You know, I didn't question that. They were Muslim. That was all I needed to know. And so the re and the reason. I was for it, and the reason most of America was for it is because we were scared. Everybody got scared after they saw those World Trade Centers falling, and I and so I think it's interesting too that this current pestilence that we have right now, not only do we have a pestilence you know that's of sickness, but there's a pestilence of fear going on that is far beyond anything we saw at 9/11. We're seeing people in communities where there's like no cases, scared of their own shadow or some my shadow. There's they they don't even want to get near anybody. I mean, you go into a gas station, you got plexiglass between you and and the cashier. You got to stay six feet apart from everybody. And the thing is, you know, we've got a lot of people that are just going through the motions and their heart's not in it, and they think it's stupid. And you've got other people that. I mean, man, they're taking this thing serious. They're scared. And it's just, I think we deserve this. And, you know, this isn't the first time there's been a pestilence of fear. We'll look at some uh, scriptures on that in a little bit. But I believe that's what we've got. I I believe more damage is being done through this pestilence of fear, too, because there are a lot of suicides going on right now. Alcohol sales are through the roof right now. You know they don't have a way to track the drug sales, but you know drug use is on the rise right now, and that people are dying from that. We're seeing, a, I mean, you know, a domestic uh, you know, cases are going up. You know, a lot of disturbances, child abuse is going up. Things are out of control, and most of it is because of fear. Most of what's being implemented in different communities to stop the spread, it's not based on the data. It's not based on the reality of what's around them. It's based on fear. That's what is going on. In some places, I mean, you know, some places have legitimate reason to be concerned with what's going on. You know, there, with the, you know, there are a lot of cases. There's lots going on. In some places, there isn't. But yet, that's where some of the craziest people are, it seems like. Why? Because we've got a pandemic of fear going on. And in the Bible, when God would send a pestilence, the solution was always simple. Repent. It was, that was always the solution. Repent. 
God, he wasn't just killing people for the pleasure of killing them. He's trying to send a message. He's trying to get them to straighten out. He's trying to get them to repent. And I'm just not hearing any talk of repentance right now. You know, it's not enough that we've seen our gods destroyed, gambling, you know, the entertainment, the sports, and all that. You know, what are we hearing the politicians say? Well, you know, maybe we should reevaluate our priorities. Maybe we should reevaluate some of the stuff we've got going on. No, what are they doing? Say, we're going to get it back as soon as we can. As soon as we can, we're going to get all this junk back. You know, and there's some things I want back. But there's some things I don't want back. But they're wanting to bring it all back. Hey, how about we learn our lesson? How about we, how about we take the hint and say, you know what? It's time to get right because what happened with Pharaoh when he wouldn't take a hint from the plagues that would come? God would send another one, a worse one. Get hit with, a sec, with, with another wave. I think we're going to see that kind of thing. And so, you know, we think, well, because we're so smart, we think because we understand viruses, we think we can beat it. And that is a fatal error. Okay? And we do think we can beat it. Andrew Homo, the dirty, nasty, just wicked governor of New York, he said in the news report, our behavior stopped the spread of the virus. God did not stop the spread of the virus. And what we do and how we act will dictate how the virus spreads. That, that's our leadership right now. So he's not our leader. Much of what we're dealing with right now is because of New York. Y'all realize we are suffering because of New York. A huge percentage of the cases are in New York. A huge percentages, a percentage of the deaths are in New York. What's happening in New York is affecting us here in Rock Falls. And the dirty leader of that state, Andrew Homo, is over there saying, God didn't do this. We did it. And we're thinking this is going to get better. We're thinking we're going to learn our lesson from this. And, folks, don't get me. I, we might get past this plague without it getting much worse. But we're just going to get another plague. And it's probably going to be a huge hit on the finan- our finances as a result of all this stuff. That's probably what's going to happen unless we repent. And that man ought to be ashamed of himself. That, and, you know, that type of thing, you know, that, that scares me a little bit. You know, and I don't, I don't trust the people who were in politics, you know, 20 years ago during 9-11. But at least those people were giving lip service to God. I remember them going out, you know, in Washington, D.C., and a bunch of the politicians getting together and singing, God bless America. Okay? I think that's, a, you know, that's, they were basically praying together in song. It's a lot better than what we're seeing right now. It's a lot better. And so I'm, I'm very concerned about this. So, and, you know, so he said it was how we act that dictates how this virus spreads. But if he means how we respond to God, then he's right. But I'm pretty sure that's not what he's talking about. Pretty sure he doesn't care about that. And if we as a country, if we do not learn, we are only going to get hammered and we're going to get hammered even worse. Just ask Pharaoh. Look what it says in Exodus 7.13. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard, and he refuses to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink. Against he come, and the rod which was turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. 
And so you all know what happened there. He ends up turning the water into blood after that. Like a sparrow didn't take a hint the first time. He didn't listen to the message. And things just kept getting worse. And notice, too, how it was God who hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why? Because God wanted to hit him again. You know what? I hope that's not happening in the United States. I hope God's not hardening these leaders' hearts. He may be so he can hit him again. Because I don't know about you. I don't, I don't want us to keep getting hit. But I don't see how we're any better than Pharaoh. And I do believe there's a solution. We're, we're gonna get, we'll get to that here in a little bit. So let's take a look, though, at what we've seen so far in our country. So first off, God's taken off out the main gods of our country, money, entertainment, sports, gambling. All, he's taken these things out. God has given us plenty of time for more important things, like the things of God, like family. All the stuff that we always say we wish we had time for. All right, folks, I'll give you what you want. You know, we're all good at making excuses, aren't we? Oh, Lord, you know, I'd like to read my Bible. I just don't have time. Fine, I'll give you some time. I'm going to give you an idiot politician that's going to put you in quarantine while you're healthy. That's what you deserve. You know, I know I never prescribed in my word to do anything that dumb, but I'm going to give you a politician and a leader that's dumb enough to do that. Right? You know, maybe instead of getting mad at our politicians, we should just ask God for forgiveness. That's probably what we ought to be doing. Because we do. And we, we've got it. And we've got leaders that are that dumb to do something like that. And, we, you know, we deserve it. There are, there are no excuses for us to start doing some of the things that we should be doing. And so what are we seeing, though? Instead of seeing people improve these things, get things right, we are seeing even Christians praise the enemy and support the seizing of freedoms that we've enjoyed for almost 250 years. I don't get that. Okay, I'm, I'm, That concerns me greatly. You know, that concerns me greatly. We have seen the good that has come of being able to have religious freedom, the freedom to assemble, the freedom to go and spread the gospel, the freedom of speech. God has blessed our country because we have these things and we have exercise those rights and we have used these things and yet we're seeing even amongst god's people this attitude of who cares really do you think god wants us doing less of these things right now i seem to remember the bible saying and so much the more as you see the day approaching yeah i get it i get it that this is all leading to the end times but i see where even when, when the end times are coming even more do we need that, that assembling? You're, you're okay with this. I'm not okay with it. This isn't a good thing. So th- this response is weird to me. This isn't what we need right now. You know, in places where they're protesting, and I'm thankful that we're seeing some protests going on, but, you know, a lot of these protests are pretty much just pro-Trump rallies. Y'all, anybody else notice that? Hey, I'm glad they're protesting in Michigan, and I'm glad people are honking their horns and causing gridlock. I think they're—I I saw. I think they're doing something in Springfield today. I, I just found out about it. You know, I, man, I hope—I hope they shake that place up. I really do. But you know what? It's probably going to be another pro-Trump rally. And I just want to slap these people and say, "All realize who's the leader right now? Do you all realize that he is supporting this stuff right now?" He's not standing up for our First Amendment rights. You realize that he could do it. You realize that's why he's actually there. 
He's actually there in case the lower governments get out of line, and they are. He then is able to step in, and he's not doing it. He's stepping in in areas where he shouldn't, and he's not stepping in in areas where he should. And yet you all are going to go and protest this, and that's wonderful, but then it's a pro-Trump rally. How are, how are they going to get the message on that? You know what we need to see is just mass fury against Republicans and Democrats. That's what we need to see right now. What we need to see in this next election is every incumbent fired on the ballot. That is probably the one way you could get me to vote for a Democrat. Okay, I would probably, if, if, if there was a mass movement to vote out every incumbent politician from the top of the ballot to the bottom of the ballot, I think I'd probably get in on that. And I would. I'd vote for a, a stinking Democrat. Oh, well, you know, we, you know, we can't handle that. Really? Well, I don't remember Obama doing anything like we're seeing right now. And, folks, I didn't like Obama. But I don't remember anything like this happening during his administration. I don't remember him ever telling us we couldn't have church. I don't remember that. So I think we could probably handle that. I, I think that would shake these people up if we did that. That's probably the only way you'd get me to do it if a, if a mass movement started there. But I don't see it happening because even these people that are mad right now, they're all at their protest wearing their Make America Great Again hats. Really? I mean, he was, he was doing pretty good, but then he went and he just destroyed it all. You know? Yeah. He's, he's like when you build that sandcastle, you know, it's a lot of work. You're proud of it. But then you just want to destroy it, don't you? And it's like he did it, you know. He went and he built this great thing. And he's like, all right, here we go. And then he just went and destroyed it. And I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it at all. So, you know, we're seeing also anyone, we're not seeing anyone calling on the Lord, but we're seeing them call on the government to deliver them. Once again, no repentance, no calling out to the Lord. Government needs to do something. That's, that's all we're hearing. That's all, that's all people are expecting. And even Christians... I'm leaving it, you know, I'm leaving it in their hands. Have you ever known those overly spiritual people that need to be doing something? Uh, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands. Well, actually, you realize God wants you to do something about this, right? Well, now we've gotten so carnal when it comes to things. Need to, I'm just going to leave it in the government's hands. Okay? That's wicked, right? And that's foolish. Why, why would you do that? But that's what we're seeing. We have not seen the slightest hint of repentance or revival in this country. I've not seen it. And if I'm missing it, let me know. I want to see some good news in this whole thing. I'm not seeing it. And this isn't the first time, again, that God has taken people out with the pestilence of fear. Look what it says in Leviticus 26 and verse 36. It says, And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies, and the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them, and they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth, and they shall fall one upon another, as if it were before a sword, when none pursueth, and ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies. It's like, I'm going to destroy you with fear. Man, you're going to run at the sound of a shaken leaf. You're going to run at a little child that comes walking up to you that's not wearing a mask. That's what you're going to do. You're going to get freaked out in the stores, and you're going to be, you know, acting all caring and calling the cops on people because they're not wearing a mask because they've got their kids out in public. I was in the gas station, and there was a, there was a bunch of kids in there. I don't even know what they're doing. There was, a, there was a whole bunch of kids in there. 
And I and I saw this Karen type come walking in, you know, and I'm just, you know, kind of giving, I'm like, I dare you to say something to those kids. I'm just, I'm in there the whole time. I dare you to say something to those kids because I could tell she didn't like that they were there and I was all ready. I, I, I was going to stick up for those kids and I was going to call her Karen. And I, I, I was I was all ready to go, and she kept her mouth shut, so she wasn't full Karen. She she kept her mouth shut, and I was really disappointed. But scared of a bunch of kids. It, that's what we've got going on in this country right now. And you're going to tell me, oh, God has nothing to do with this. No, he's, he's sent a faintness to people's hearts right now. That's, that's another reason, too, alcohol sales are up so high. It's not just because people are working, they don't have anything else to do. It's because they're stressed out right now because they're scared. And they need something to calm them down because all they're doing is sitting around watching the news all the time, seeing all the doom and gloom. We see in Second Kings 7, 5, it says, And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites, the king of the Egyptians, to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Nothing happened, but God made them think something was happening, and they lost everything. And God ended up delivering Israel. During that time, this is how God, you know, helped keep them all from starving to death during a horrible famine. God sent fear into the hearts of their of their enemies and God delivered Israel as a result of this. And so you you'll never convince me, you, folks, you will never convince me that we do not have a God sent pandemic of fear going on. Go out to Walmart today and see how many people are wearing masks and ask them, do you know somebody, anybody around here that has it? I'm not saying nobody has it, okay? According to the last numbers I looked at, there's 33, there's been 33 cases in Whiteside County. And I, you know, that very well may be legit. However, there's over 50,000 people in this county. Doesn't seem like we need to be running for our lives just yet. Okay? But yet people are. And, you know, if I was, you know, during some of the flu seasons that we've had, I've gotten nervous before because, like, everybody's getting it. It's like everybody at church is getting it, you know, and I'm, I'm washing my hands and not wanting to shake hands. And I, I went, you know, at work when I was uh, still at the distribution center earlier this year, there was a bunch of people getting sick, and I was starting to get nervous. We had one day there was a whole bunch of call-offs because of people that had the flu, and I'm getting nervous because I'm, see, you know, people are dropping like flies around me. That's reason to get nervous and start, you know, taking some precautions. But I'm not seeing that out here yet. So I don't, you know, while I'm still being careful, and I understand, you know, you can be asymptomatic, blah, blah, blah. I, I get all that. All right, I've heard it. And I've heard it a million times. I don't feel compelled to do anything. I don't feel compelled to wear a mask. I don't feel compelled to be scared of kids. I don't feel compelled to not take my family out and let them go to the store and things. But I you know, pretty much can't right now. I don't feel compelled to do that. To me, the numbers just aren't there. And but yet, people are compelled to do it like never before. We have seen flu bugs go through this community far worse than what we've seen yet. And I'm not saying it's not going to get worse. It, it might. I, I've, never, I've never before this whole thing seen people wearing masks in town. Never seen that. But yet, it's happening right now. You know why? Because we do. We've got a pandemic of fear going on, and it's, it's hurting us greatly. 
not only is it hurting the economy and everything, but it's hurting relationships with people, how people are interacting with each other. It's bad. It's bad the way society is reacting with each other. I don't like it at all. I think it's a terrible thing. So real quickly, what do we need to do about this situation? All right, now go back to Numbers chapter 16. Okay, because, again, I believe we are the solution to this. It says in Numbers 16.42, And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered um, against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Now let's stop. We're not going to go back and read it all again. Remember how God, he's just swallowed up Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. He opened up the ground, swallowed them up, and closed the ground back up. It's a pretty good message right there. It's a pretty clear message. They're defying Moses. God, Moses says, all right, let's see who God chooses. Moses or Korah and his clowns, they get swallowed up, and Moses fine, right? No more problems, right? Okay, you know, no. You know what they did? They came to Moses and said, you've killed the Lord's people. Well, first off, if Moses did that, I wouldn't mess with Moses. Okay? I'm not messing with a guy that can open up the ground and swallow people up. But that's just how wicked they were, folks. That's how wicked they were. And God really gets mad. He, they saw what I did, and they're still coming against you. They're dead. I'm going, to kill, I'm going to kill them. And so it says, And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment, and they fell upon their faces. If this is me, I'd have been, Get them. I'm not like Moses. Thankfully, God raised up that prophet like unto Moses, Jesus Christ, who did not do that with us. And this is an area I need to work on, because if that would have been me, I'd have been like, get him. I guarantee I'd have been that way. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. Uh, The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. Folks, I'm seeing our country right now, when God's trying to shake it up, I'm seeing him act like the children of Israel. That's what I'm seeing him do. And, folks, I've read my Bible enough, I know the Lord enough, that I'm telling you, if something doesn't happen, we're going to get hit again. And we're going to get hit worse the next time. I don't know what it's going to be with. It could be an army. It could be a nuke. It could be an earthquake. The earth, one of the earthquakes they've been talking about. I mean, it, it could be anything. It could be with another wave of this pandemic. It could, be, it could mutate and do something a whole lot worse. There's no telling what could happen, but if we don't get right, I guarantee you we're going to get hammered with something even worse. And what I believe we need to do is God's people, we need to get in between the dead and the living. And what we need to do, we need to plead God's mercy on behalf of our nation. That's what Moses, Moses and Aaron by themselves did that. Moses and Aaron went 
And they quickly, they ran, they got in the middle of that congregation, they offered up that sacrifice, and God stopped the plague for them. And you know what? I believe he would do that for us too. I believe, I believe that God would do that for us. But and let me say this. I do not believe that we are required to do this. I think we have just cause to be like Elisha or Elijah, who in Romans 11, it talks about, remember how Elijah made intercession against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets. They have taken down thine altars. But, you know, Elijah also said, and I only am alone. I'm the only one that's left. But God said, no, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And it's easy to look at this country and say it's trash, it's done for. But you know what? There's more good people out there left than we think. And I don't, I'm no Elijah. I'm not ready to make intercession against our country just yet. If I was righteous enough, I probably could and be justified. But I don't think I'm there. I'm no Elijah. I'm not going to do that. I want to be more like Moses. And I want to make intercession for our country. I still want good for this country even now. And I don't, I don't believe I'm in a position yet to make intercession against America. Also, we need to plead the blood of Christ. Now what, now, what did Moses and Aaron do? They went and they offered up this incense. They offered a sacrifice. Now, we know that those sacrifices, they all pointed to Jesus Christ. And whenever they would do these things, and there's other stories. We don't have time to go to all the stories that I had where they did things like this. Remember, David did the same thing. He went and offered up that sacrifice of the threshing floor of Orn and the Jebusite. When, that, when it was a pestilence that came on Israel, where 70,000 people died. We see David offered up a sacrifice, making intercession for the people. God stopped it. But God would see these sacrifices, and it was a reminder of what his son was going to do on the cross. Today, we don't offer up those sacrifices. The sacrifice has already been offered, but you know what we do? We claim that sacrifice. We claim the blood of Christ. We call out to God, and we remind him of his son dying for the sins of the world, and we let him know there's some people that we still need to reach out there that haven't heard the gospel yet. I mean, thank God that I had the privilege of leading two people to the Lord yesterday. People that got a chance, they, they, that heard the gospel. The one lady that I talked to, after, after I gave her the gospel, she was thanking me. She said, you know, it, how you know, clear it was and how much it helped her. And she wished somebody had told her mom because her mom died recently. And while her mom is laying on her deathbed, she was wondering if she was going to go to heaven because she knew she had a lot of sins and didn't know if she was going to be able to get in. And I'm thinking, man, if somebody, obviously, when somebody's laying on their deathbed wondering if they're going to go to heaven, but not sure because of all their sins, what an opportunity to tell them, hey, your sins are covered. You just got to trust in Christ. Obviously, the, the, the lady was not trusting in Christ for salvation. And what a sad thing. Somebody should have told her. And there's more people like that out there that we need to get to that are under there, that the wrath of God's on them right now. Like Moses said, the wrath of God has come. We've got to do something. And God, the wrath of God is abiding on our country right now. But there's people out there, if we can get to them, they will be saved, and we need to pray to God and remind him of what he did, how he died on the cross, and how he did it to save sinners, and we need to get, beg God to give us another chance. We need to beg God to get the doors opened up again so we can get out there like we were before without having all the obstacles that we're having right now. We need things to get opened back up because you and I, we want to stand between the dead and the living. We want to get the gospel to them. We don't want things standing in our way. 
and we've got things in our way right now. We're not going to fix anything by just doing nothing. We need to do something. We ought to want the doors open when it comes to this type of thing. So we need to also stand between, so we need to stand between the living and the dead, and we do this not by offering up a sacrifice, but we do it by going and telling others about the sacrifice of Jesus. Soul winning. When you go out soul winning, you're standing between the living and the dead. When you preach the gospel, you're standing between the living and the dead. You're giving them an opportunity because the wrath of God is coming. And so when God saw that sacrifice, he was reminded of what Jesus would do someday. And when we are proclaiming the gospel, standing between the living and the dead, we are reminding God of what Jesus has done and why he came. Every time we get somebody saved, we're reminding God of why he came, why Jesus died on the cross. And the last thing we need right now is for people to not be getting saved like they were before. It's the last thing that we need right now. We need to be willing also to make sacrifices. When David made that sacrifice, we're not going to go there. He said, I'm not going to offer sacrifice. It doesn't cost me anything. He went because the one man just wanted to give him everything. He's like, no, I'm paying for it. I'm paying the full price for it. He's like, I'm not going to offer a sacrifice that didn't cost me anything. And you know what? We just need to understand if we're going to stop this pestilence, if we're going to make a difference, we're actually going to have to make a sacrifice. We're going to actually put in some effort. We might have to put in some real prayer time. And you got time for it right now, too. You know, we might need to do some things like some fasting. That'd be good. You don't have to go to the grocery store as much and deal with all the freaks that are out there. You know, you, we, we're going to have to actually make some effort. We want God to just fix everything and it not change our life one bit. It not cost us a cent. That's not the way, that's not the way these things work. We need to be willing to make some sacrifices ourselves. Because our country, our world needs us. Y'all understand that? Okay. Some of the idiots, you know, first house we, first person we talked to yesterday. Y'all aren't supposed to be out here like this. First person like that. You know, she has no idea we are exactly what she needs. They have no idea. They, you know, we are, we're the ones that are preserving this nation. And while the world often hates us, like they hated Jesus when he's paying for their sins, making a way of salvation, we need to understand this is our job. This is why we are here. We are the salt. We are the light. And we better do our job. And we better do some pleading. We better do some interceding for our nation. And I said, I understand. I want to just let them all be destroyed. I kind of, you know, a few weeks ago when we were getting hammered by the local homos, you know, a part of me was just like, let it burn. You know, that was, that was kind of my attitude. But I'm like, you know, I didn't come to start a church in this town only to succeed as much as Lot succeeded. You know, if, if the Lord decides to just end Rock Falls, he'll get me out of here first. But then I'm as successful as Lot. I don't want to. I fail if that happens. You all understand that? We fail as a church if God destroys our community. And it deserves it. But you know what? I did. I had, I had to pray like, Lord, no, not yet. Not yet. I try to be more like Moses. And it goes against my nature, but we need to be that way sometimes. And during times like these, we need to remember it is our job to be the salt and light. We are God's ambassadors. We need to care about the people around us. We need to intercede the same way that Jesus did for us. 
And he said, if, if you want to have them let them go to hell attitude, I'm not saying that you're necessarily wrong for that because they definitely deserve it. But I'm pretty sure I'm not righteous enough to have that attitude. So you know what? Let's do our part to help end this pestilence. Let's help. Let's do our part to slow the spread because you can't read about pestilences in the Bible and not think God's not in this thing. You can't see what's going on and think God's not in this thing. And I believe the response that we need to have is the same response they had then, that God would stop the spread. We need to be making intercession. We need to be praying. We need to be calling on the Lord. We need to be provoking others to righteousness and good works. These are the things that will make a difference. And if we can't change things in our country, and you know, and I'm not like Moses when it comes to New York. You know, my attitude is just like, you know, go ahead. They were the ones that got hit on 9-11, too. Think about that. They better, they better wake up. They're always the epicenter of everything bad. And yet, listen to their governor like Pharaoh just blaspheming God. You know? But I definitely don't want to be that way with this area, with, with Illinois, maybe Chicago. But I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a good thing. So let's, let's do our part and be a Moses and Aaron in this situation. So let's pray. Dear Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the instruction, the direction it gives us. And Lord, help us during this difficult time we're in to be uh, to do the job you put us here to do. Lord, help us to intercede for the people that are around us. Help us to stand between the living and the dead. Help us to be like Moses during these times. And Lord, we ask that you will show mercy. Lord, there's there's no doubt our country deserves everything it's getting. Lord, we deserve the leaders that are doing all the horrible things that they're doing right now. But, dear God, we're just asking for your mercy anyway. Lord, we need things. We need the freedom in this country so we can continue doing the work uh, that we've been called to do to win souls. And I just pray, Lord, we're going to do it either way. Even if we lose the freedom, uh, we're still going to continue winning souls. But, dear God, we ask that you'll make it as easy as possible. And just pray that this uh, whole situation will wake people up and get them uh, thinking about the things of, of you and your word, and we can see many saved as a result. In your name we pray. Amen.